1 Samuel chapter number 23. We're looking into the life of David. Here's a spoiler alert. David survives these 10 years of being chased like a dog by King Saul and becomes the king of Israel. But during the season of David's life, God uses great difficulty to make him into the man that is the uh, right, rightful king of the nation of Israel. And the troubles are real and brutal, but he learns so much. And God uses the story and the experiences of David and his perspective as he writes the Psalms through this season of his life to help us in so many ways. Uh, it would be something that the Lord has a good account of, but to imagine how many thousands and millions and millions of people have been helped by the inspired writings of David in the Psalms will be an amazing number to see. And God uses his trouble in a bright way. Tonight, I want to share with you a message from 1 Samuel chapter number 23. As we continue this journey through 1 Samuel with David and his story, and tonight's message is titled this, They Have Not Set God Before Them. They Have Not Set God Before Them. As David considers this moment in his life and writes in Psalm 54, he says that about his enemies. He says their problem is they have not set God before them. And they've got the order mistaken. They've put themselves before God. They have not set God before themselves. And folks, I'll have you know that one of the most elementary things we can learn in our Christian life is this beautiful verse of Scripture. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. They have not set God before them. Let's look together in 1 Samuel chapter number 23. If you remember, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter number 22, uh, David is done dirty by Doeg the Edomite. And Doeg does an atrocious thing, and he literally murders all the priests of God from the city of Nob, 85 of them. And then he goes and ransacks the city of Nob and all the women, children, and all their possessions. Uh, Doeg uh, wickedly destroys. Uh, Abiathar is the only of the sons of Ahimelech that are, uh, that are saved from death. And so Abiathar is traveling now with David, and David is leading his men, a group of about 600. And we pick up here in verse number 1 of chapter number 23, and this is what the Bible says. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. So David gets word. He hears that the Philistines... Now, David's number one enemy at this moment is Saul. But the enemy of the nation of Israel, the enemy of God's people, the Hebrews, is the Philistines. Those dirty, rotten Philistines are always showing up, and it's harvest season. And in Keilah, which is a, a border uh, town, a border town of uh, the nation of Israel, is under siege by uh the Philistines. David hears about that. And David, in his heart for some time now, as a servant of Saul and a servant to the nation of Israel, has been leading these uh, military expeditions to fight off and ward off the enemies of God's people. 
At this moment, we know that Saul's running for, I mean, David is running for his life because Saul is against him. And Saul is the leader at this moment of the nation of Israel. But David in his heart hears of the need of his people, God's people. And the rising up of the enemy and at a time when David himself is in great need and running for his life, when he hears the need of the people of Keilah, he asks God, do you want me to go? So the Bible says in verse number 2, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? And David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah. For I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. Verse number 7, it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord, God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah. To destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy, thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah. And went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah, and he forbore to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds, and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose. And went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul, my father, knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood. And Jonathan went to his house. Then came up Ziph, the Ziphites. To Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood in the hill of Hekilah, uh, which is on the south of Jeshmon? Now, therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of thy soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. Go, I pray you, prepare yet, and know and see his place where his haunt is, and who hath seen him there. For it is told me that he dealeth very, very subtly. 
See therefore and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hideth himself and come ye again to me with the certainty. And I will go with you and it shall come to pass if he be in the land that I will search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon in the plain of the south of Jeshmon. So Saul also and his men went to seek him. And they told David, wherefore he came down into a rock and abode in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon. And Saul went on this side of the mountain. And David on, and his men on that side of the mountain. And David made haste to get away for fear of Saul. For Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take them. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee, and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David, and went against the Philistines. Therefore they called that place Selah Hamalakath. And David went up from thence, and dwelt in strongholds at En Gedi. We come to this passage of scripture, and the story, uh, if, if you're not careful, you can lose a little traction in the story, but the story is quite fascinating because God is moving and working and using David in a special way. It begins with David hearing that the Philistines are causing trouble at Keilah. And so David inquires of the Lord, which is always a wise thing to do. Lord, do you want me to go? God says, yes. David's men says, look, we're scared to death where we are of Saul. And to think about going and fighting a battle against the Philistines makes us even more afraid. And so David, at their warning and concern, he seeks the Lord again. And a second time, the Lord confirms the fact that it is their duty to go and fight the Philistines. So David and his 600 men, they make their way from their hiding place in Judah down to Keilah. And when they get to Keilah, a city of bars and walls, a city that is uh, being sieged by the Philistines, God uses David and his men to free the city of Keilah from the attack that is going on uh, with the Philistines. And uh, you can imagine the victory. It was a joyful thing. God spared the town of Keilah. God spared their crops, what the Philistines were doing at that time. At the harvest season, they were robbers and thieves. And they were stealing the food. They were robbing the threshing floors, what the Bible says. And God used David in a mighty way and his men to protect the people of Keilah. Well, Saul gets word. Saul gets word that David and his men are in Keel, and he thinks, aha. He says something interesting. He says, God has delivered David and his men in my hands because they are in that walled and barred city. And Saul hears that they're in Keel, and David wonders, I wonder if the people of Keel will protect us. And David and Abiathar, the priest of God, they petition the Lord and ask the Lord, will the people give us over and give us up to Saul? And the word from the Lord comes back, and it's sad to hear. But God says, yes, they will. Well, can you imagine the betrayal? David is dealing with betrayal after betrayal after betrayal after betrayal. And I can't imagine how difficult it might be to be able to keep my eyes fixed on the Lord and trusting in the Lord when you've been mistreated so many times. But folks, it's always right. God says that Saul's coming. 
The people of Keilah will turn you over. You need to keep on moving. At a low moment in David's life, he hides again and God sends his dear friend Jonathan. The Bible says that Jonathan uh, encourages David in the Lord and strengthened his hand in God. And David and Jonathan have a precious meeting and the battle continues. If we come to verses number 19 to the conclusion of the chapter, we see the Ziphites, this town, this group of people, the people of Ziph, they know now that David and his men are hiding in the wilderness of Ziph. And so they go to Saul and say, hey, look, we know that David and his men are hiding out in a certain place. They accidentally tell Saul the wrong place. They tell Saul that he's hiding out in the hills of Hakali. Uh, and I say that difference every way, every time. Hakila uh, is how I think I said it the first time, but it's spelled the same every time I read it. <laughs> they mistakenly tell Saul the wrong place. David ends up being in the wilderness of Maon, which is just about three miles different. But when Saul and his men come to get David and his men, that little miscommunication is just enough to protect David and his men. In one place, in verse 26, the Bible says that Saul went on this side of the mountain and David and his men went on that side of the mountain. Uh, There's just a little difference between this and that, but God protects them. And just about the time that Saul and his men have got all of David's men circled in that mountain setting, a messenger comes. Do you think this is a surprise to the Lord? Absolutely not. A messenger comes and tells Saul, hey, Saul, listen, I want you to know something. The Philistines have gone out against our people. They've invaded the land. And it's such a bad report that immediately Saul pulls his men away from taking David, and they've got him circled and encompassed about. Pulls them away, and they go and fight the Philistines, and David is spared once again. David, in that moment, there's a rock, and they name a rock. uh, The Israelites, they love to name rocks. It's a reminder to them of what God's done. And they name it an interesting word, uh, Selah Hama Lakath. And don't you ever tell anybody I was speaking in tongues, because I wasn't. Say Lahamalakoth. If you say it five or six times fast, it sounds kind of interesting, doesn't it? Say Lahamalakoth. Say Lahamalakoth. At any rate, they named this rock Say Lahamalakoth. And it means the rock of division, the rock of slipping away. And they say, look, this is that moment when God let us slip away and slip out of the potential disaster that was going to come when Saul gets a hold of us. Now, David, when he thinks about it, keep your finger in 1 Samuel chapter number 23. This will be a long introduction. I anticipate a short message. If you take your, keep your finger in 1 Samuel 23 and turn with him to Psalm 54. Psalm 54. David gives us some spiritual insight to this scene and this moment in his life. Psalm 54, if you look... Under Psalm 54, most copies of the scripture have a title for this psalm. It says this, To the chief musician on Niganoth, a mascal of a psalm of David, when the Ziphims came and said to Saul, Doth not David hide himself with us? 
This is when he's hiding in Ziph. And the people of Ziph come and say, hey, he's hiding with us. And here's what David has to say about a very short psalm. He says, save me, O God, by thy name. Judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me. And oppressors seek after my soul. Look at this phrase. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble. And mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. If David was going to just put it into one little phrase, and God did it, the situation that he was dealing with, the betrayal of Keilah, the betrayal of Saul, the betrayal of the Ziphites, he says, they have not set God before them. And if we could learn something from this passage of Scripture, this story, is to not fall into that trap, to put yourself before God. It always ends poorly. And in this Scripture, we see some positive examples and negative examples. If you'll turn back with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 23, we'll begin our message. They have not set God before them. The first thing I want you to pay attention to, point number one is this. Godly people seek God and serve others. Godly people seek God and serve others. When I first begin to read this passage of Scripture and study and consider the situation that David finds himself in, my first thought when David realizes that the Philistines are fighting against uh, the people of Keilah and that they're robbing the threshing floors and that David is going to inquire of the Lord and say, Shall I go? I think, David, have you lost your mind? Don't you have enough going on? Don't you think that now's not the best time for you to rise up and help somebody else when you're having such a hard time yourself? But I'll just tell you, that's my flesh speaking. And godly people understand that it is the right thing to seek God and help others. Sometimes we get in situations and shapes where we think we're in so bad a shape that we can't possibly help anybody else. But I found out that if you'll determine to be a blessing to other people, even in your times of need, you'll find God meets you there and helps you along the way. How many of you have been discouraged? And it just seems like God sent somebody along at just the right time that needed some encouragement. And you think, my, lands of all the things in the world I need to do right now is try to encourage somebody else as low as I am. But you do it anyway. Have you felt that and been there and seen what God can do? I'll just tell you, in your lowest of times, if you'll determine to seek God and serve others, you'll find out that's a situation that proves to be profitable for everybody involved. And David, in this situation, he seeks the Lord. He says, Lord, do you want me to go down there? It's kind of interesting to me because his men are like, are you crazy? In verse number 2, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. David tells his men. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. We're scared to death where we're hiding. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. 
And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. His men are like, have you lost your mind? Maybe so, but I've asked the Lord what he wants me to do, and God wants me to seek him and serve others. You see, that's a lesson in godliness. Don't ever get so caught up with your own disasters that you are unwilling to be a blessing to other people because all that's going to do is make your disaster even worse. You may not know where the strength's going to come from. You may not know where the protection's going to come from. You may not know where the resources are going to come from, physically speaking. But I can testify to you to this fact that if you'll obey God and seek God and serve others, even in your low times, you'll find that God will use that as a resource to encourage and help and bless you. You see, godly people seek God and serve others. Oh, may we learn from this. In our times of great need, we should seek the Lord. In our times of great need, we should not fail to be a blessing to other people. In our times of great need, you know what we're tempted to do? We're tempted to be nasty and use our time of great need as an excuse for our poor behavior. But may we learn from David. He wasn't going to let the low moment that he was in give him some type of license to sin against God. Don't do that. Oh, it's a trap that devil, the devil wants to put us in. You've had a rough childhood, and the devil wants you to use that for the rest of your life as an excuse not to be a blessing to other people. The devil's just robbed you of the opportunity to serve God and others. You've had a difficult season in your life. Your health is poor. The devil wants to tell you, you can't help other people because you're so bad. Wrong. God wants to use you right where you are. And I'll just have you know something. Godly people seek God and serve others. What did God do? God used their meager resources and their meager fare and their obedience not only to give them victory over the Philistines to help the folks of Keilah, but also to provide their needs. The Bible says the Philistines had a bunch of cattle and part of the deal was they ended up with the Philistines' cattle and they were able to meet their needs and had a steak dinner. God was faithful. He always is. You see... David did not fall into the trap of the people of Keilah. He did not fall into the trap of the people of Ziph. He did not fall into the trap of Saul. He did not fall into the trap of being guilty of not setting God before himself. Because godly people seek God and serve others. Number two, wicked people say God and serve self. Do you hear that? Wicked people say God and serve self. I want you to see what Saul does. It drives me bonkers. I want to wash his mouth out with soap because of the things that Saul says. He is so eat up with anger and bitterness and rage that he says some of the most ridiculous things. By the way, I want to be careful and I want to be cautious to know that I could fall into the same trap that Saul's in. And may the Lord protect us from it. It should be our constant prayer. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and leave me in the way everlasting. Saul says, and the Bible says in verse 7, It was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. What does Saul say? God hath delivered him into mine hand. Now, Saul says it plain as day. He says, praise God. 
David has been delivered into mine hands. Can you imagine the name of God coming out of the mouth of a man like Saul? This isn't the only time this passage that it does. Look at verse number 21. When the people of Ziph have turned over David to Saul and told Saul where David and his men are, Saul says in verse 21, Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. What does Saul do? Saul says God. He uses God words, but he serves himself. He serves himself. Folks, we need to be careful about having the name of God on our lips and not the Spirit of God in our hearts. You know, one of the uh, Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And we know that we shouldn't use the name of God as a slang. But we also should be careful how we use the name of God and the things and the works that we do. I'll give you an example. A lot of times people use crosses and Christian fish and that type of stuff in advertising of their businesses. Now, I just want you to know that may not be wrong. But I will tell you this. If I were a business person and I were using Christ, Jesus, God, as a tool for advertising, I would take that emblem and I would take that connection to my work and my business very seriously. Because, here's what the Bible says in Exodus 20 about taking the Lord's name in vain. If you put the name of the Lord on your business or in your life, if you take his name in vain, let's just say you got a cross, but you act like the devil. Let's just say you got a fish and you represent Christ, but your business practices are poor. The Bible says that God will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. I want to warn our people. I want to warn God's people that if you use God's name in vain, it will come with consequences. And Saul is a great picture of that. Saul used God's words, but he served himself. Saul used God's words, but he served himself. We shouldn't fall into that trap. We shouldn't be willing to take God's name and run it through the muck and mire of our poor character. Need to be careful. I'll tell you a funny story on my grandfather, Dick Sturgill. He's with the Lord. I loved him very much. He was a great guy. He was unique and uh, he was a a go-getter. One thing he did is he drove really fast. Uh, He was a faithful witness But he drove really fast. And for years and years on the back of his pickup truck, he had this fish emblem. You know, that represents being a fisher of men. And uh, I like that. I think it's good. I think it's a a, a good way to identify yourself as a Christian. One day my grandfather went out to his truck and he noticed that his fish was gone off the back of his truck. He was just aggravated. Somebody had stolen his Christian sign. Someone taking the fish off the back of the road. He goes in the house. He asks my grandmother. He says, Barbara, you don't know what happened to my fish, do you? <laughs> my grandmother said, yes, I do. I took it off the back of your truck because the way you drive, I don't want anybody to know that you're a Christian. 
That's a fun story. But, but we need to keep in mind, really keep in mind, we represent the Lord. And old Saul, he was rotten to the core and saying, oh, God has delivered David up to my hand. He said God, but he served himself. Don't do that. Number three, friends point friends to God. You know, David is at a low spot. He hears, he, he comes, this is interesting, how he's betrayed. Now, now, David has just brought his men. He's risked his own neck. He's brought his men to Keilah. He goes to Keilah. And when he's in Keilah, God uses David and his men in a mighty way to spare the city of Keilah. The city of Keilah is going to have food to eat this winter because David and his men stopped the Philistines from ransacking their threshing floor. But when the rubber meets the road and Saul inquires from, of the people of Keilah and tells the people and hears that David's in Keilah, he inquires of the people of Keilah, he understands that he is going to be betrayed. That David says, Lord, are the people of Keilah going to turn me over to the king? Is King Saul going to come? And he says, yes, King Saul is going to come. And are the people going to betray me? He says, yes, the people are going to turn you over to Saul. And David has to leave. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. These folks were no friends at all. But God sends David's friend to him in a time of need. Jonathan gives us a great example of what a true friend looks like. The Bible says in verse number 14, David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day. But God delivered him, out of, out, delivered him not into his hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. Verse 16. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. What did Jonathan do? Jonathan didn't come and give David just a pep talk that made David feel really good about David. Jonathan did something very wise and very kind. He was a true friend. He pointed David to the faithfulness of God. The Bible says that Jonathan strengthened David's hand in God. That's a true friend. You see, godly people seek God and serve others. Wicked people say God and serve self. Number three, friends point friends to God. David and Jonathan make a covenant together once again. David moves off the scene. And then God gives us a 10-verse story of how he delivers David. There's intricate details. I've talked a little bit about them. I'd encourage you to read it for yourself. But basically, it looks something like this. The people of Ziph hear that David and his men are in Ziph, being the kind of shysters who want to try to satisfy the wickedness of King Saul. They send word to Saul that David's hiding out in Ziph. They get their wires crossed and they tell Saul the wrong place. David is safe and sound in his place. He's in Maon and they think that he's somewhere else. God protects him that way. In one section, verse 26, I think this is fun. Saul has found out that he's actually in Maon. And Saul goes on, verse 26, God, Saul went on this side of the mountain. And David and his men on that side of the mountain. God orchestrated it. You see it? 
David and his men on one side, Saul and his men on that side, and God spares them again. Finally, when it looks like they'd met their end, Saul's armies have now surrounded David and his men. And all of a sudden, God sends a messenger. Hey, Saul, the Philistines are besieging the country. And it's so urgent that Saul says, we got to go. And just like that, at the last moment, what does God do? He delivers his people. Folks, I want you to know something. My last point, number four, is this. God delivers his people. God delivers his, his people. You'll have situations where the enemy just gets the wires crossed up and has the wrong message, and God delivers you that way. You'll have situations where you go this way, and they go that way, and God delivers you. There'll be situations in your life where it's just getting ready to come to the bitter conclusion, and God will send a messenger and spare you. I just want you to know, God delivers his people. What should we do? Throw up our hands and give up on God when things look difficult and tough? Absolutely not. We should learn that when we have put God before ourselves, as opposed to they have not set God before them. When we put God first, we can rest in the fact that God is faithful to deliver his people. He's good like that. He's good like that. How many times in the scripture do you see God in the last moment rescuing his people? Oh, it happens time and time again. I couldn't begin to exhaust the moments and issues and times when the enemy's coming in on the nation of Israel after they've left Egypt's bondage. At just the right time, God parts the Red Sea. At just the right time, God closes the Red Sea. At just the right time, God meets the needs of his people. Oh, and how many times in our own lives have we heard testimony from Christians when it just seemed like all hope was gone? There was Jesus right on time. There came Jesus right on time. And you're finding yourself at a moment where you're tempted. You're tempted to turn your back on the Lord. Do not do it. Just remember, God delivers his people. As a way of commemorating the event, there was a big slippery rock. And they named that rock Selah Hama Lakoth, the rock of division. It was the rock of slipping away. They said, Guess what? <laughs> this rock is something that will remind us from now on that God delivers his people. God delivers his people. Look, Saul, his life comes to a bitter end. And we hate that for him. Because he had such opportunity. But his life serves as an example to us. And the life of David and his faithful men serves as an example to us and reminds us this wonderful little truth. They have not set God before them. And if you're tempted to fall into that trap of self-serving, self-seeking, selfishness, don't do it. Put God first. You'll find out he's faithful. God delivers his people. They have not. They just didn't do it right. And it cost them. And we see David once again victorious and God faithful. 
I'd encourage you to read about it in Psalm 54. Oh, what a great praise to the Lord for his faithfulness. You'll find reason to praise him when you put Christ first in your life.